Real Cuff Radio is about to begin. Everybody loves a hero. I believe there's a hero in all of us. Welcome to Real Cuff Radio. And tonight is going to be very interesting and eye-opening. And so let me just set the picture. So I was on Facebook, and I was reading an article, and it said 16 million people are projected by 2050 to have Alzheimer's. And the, the beginning of the article says many cases of dementia are actually side effects of prescription drugs and vaccinations, according to research. And I'm just going, wow. And I was up at the coffee shop, and somebody says, oh, well, you need to interview so-and-so. And she, she knows a lot about this and, and started telling me a little bit. But I'm going to let you – I'm going to let her introduce herself to you and tell you a little of her background and then kind of tell you what's going on. So today I have Cindy Ward on the phone. How are you doing, Cindy? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Um, Cindy, we're yes. really glad to have you here. And, and I'll tell you one reason is I go to a lot of hospitals, and, you know, the fact that I work in a lot of hospitals, I've got to have the flu shot every year. I have, you know, there's all these shots that they require us to have and everything else. And um, so I want you to kind of explain your background and how you got into all this. Okay, great. Yes, well, my background now, I am a registered nurse, but uh, I have three nursing degrees, actually, and now I am a college professor, and I teach in a nursing program. So uh, that is my background. I have been a nurse only for 10 years. I was kind of later in life, I decided to go to school. But to backtrack a little bit, um, I first began to start investigating the whole vaccine um, dilemma and controversy probably about 30 years ago and um, it was when my oldest child was um, she was about five and I met actually a bit let me backtrack a little bit she was probably closer to four because I had not had a second child yet and I met someone who had a vaccine injured child I had never heard of that before and they said their child reacted to the DPT shot, which we do no longer give the DPT shot. Um, but the DPT shot, even way back then in the 80s, there was a, um, a documentary called Vaccine Roulette, which was specifically on the DPT shot that came out in 1982, and it was aired on television. If anybody wants to, you know, Google that, you can see it on YouTube. But uh, talking about how they had known for 20 years that the DPT shot specifically was causing neurological injury to children. So I was just blown away when I met the, these people, and they had a vaccine-injured child, and I'd never heard of it. So I started researching a little bit, which... As you well know, 30 years ago, we didn't have the Internet and all, um, you know, the ease of, of um, looking into things as we do now. But I just started reading, and I decided if I had any other children, I would delay 
vaccines until they were well past 12 months. And um, anyway, my first child, and looking back, she did have one ear infection after another. My second two children did not get vaccines until they were probably 18 months old, never had the ear problems that, the, that she had in their first um, you know, 18 months of life, but the minute I started vaccinating, but even then I didn't really connect the dots. So it's kind of a long story to go into that. That's where I started really looking into the, into it. But then, um, you know, after I became a nurse and they started every fall, of course, talking about the flu shot, I, I have, I'm 60 years old and I have never had a flu shot. I never plan on getting a flu shot, but, uh, you know, I was just like, well, why? I'm healthy. I haven't been sick in 30 years. It's not like I've got the flu virus going to jump off of me onto someone else. And I just don't feel like I need a flu shot. And, um, but honestly, and they really weren't um, very adamant about it, but it started getting more and more. And then in 2014, the facility where I worked became very militant about it. It's like, you will get the flu shot by this day or you will be on um, involuntary paid time off until the flu season is over, which that's always interesting to me. I thought we only had four seasons, winter, spring, summer, and fall. But now we have a flu season. And when you really think about people getting the flu and why you get it pretty much in the winter months, we're not outside like we normally are. And um, don't get the sunshine, you know, and we just, that's just kind of part of it. And there are ways to actually prevent the flu. But uh, anyway, I'm like, well, I do not want to get the flu shot. And I, um, one of my clinical directors, he said, well, you know, when they, when I filed a religious exemption, which, you know, I had to think long and hard about that because I thought, well, for religious reasons, but honestly, According to the definition of religion, as according to the Constitution, that definition is pretty broad. It does not necessarily have to include a church. It just could be a deeply held conviction. And the state of Texas does offer a religious, medical, and a philosophical exemptions for not getting vaccines. That is true for anyone. That is true in the public schools, which a lot of people, well, you can't go to school if you don't get vaccines. That's really not true. It's a matter of downloading a form. But anyway, uh, my um, they denied my religious exemption, but they didn't realize that I had looked deeply into their policy, and they really had an unlawful policy in place. So I did speak to an attorney who, in turn, wrote a letter to the facility and pointed out how their policy was not lawful, and it was a violation of Title seven of the Federal Civil Rights Act of 1964. So uh, because when they said, we, you can make a religious uh, declination, but you have to be Christian scientist, Seventh-day Adventist, or Jehovah's Witness. Well, that's complete discrimination. They can't do that. And they realized that, so they revised their policy and they accepted my declination. So I was back to work along with 65 other people. But what I found out hey, but was... Cindy, mm-hmm. Cindy, that's exactly yeah. what Obamacare said on it, too. Obamacare exactly. said the exemption deal, if you were, and it named the same, same three or whatever. Hmm. Okay, go ahead. 
I didn't know that specifically about Obamacare, but I did know that I found out that the reason they became so adamant about the flu shot in 2014 is because it was tied directly to the Affordable Care Act. If they did not have at least 90% of their employees getting the flu shot, then they could stand to lose up to 2% of their Medicare reimbursement, which depending on the size of the facility, that could be millions of dollars. So that's one thing that I found out about that. One, anyway, one thing one thing strange about the flu shot, though, is every year when we get it, about half the nurses end up with the flu. Right. Every year. And, you know, and some they say, well, you can't get the flu shot from, or you can't get the flu from the flu shot. But the thing is, and there are plenty of studies to back this up, um, just the nature of the flu shot itself, it weakens your immune system, and it even tells you on the package insert not to be around um, people that could be vulnerable for up to a month after you get it. So, you know, it really makes no sense because it does weaken your immune system and it does make you more susceptible to other upper respiratory infections. So, but, but the interesting but that would be thing, that would be terrible for AIDS patients and uh, you know, hepatitis exactly. patients stuff like that because they've already got this major weak immune right. system. And that's exactly the population that they tell you you need to get this um, to protect your patients. Well, I remember asking them, okay, and they talk, we talk about evidence-based practice. I said, if we are evidence-based practice, could you please point to me and show me the evidence behind the mandatory vaccination of healthcare workers? And they really couldn't show me. There really wasn't any evidence. And as a matter of fact, I have written at least two papers on this specific subject when I was uh, working on my master's degree and on whether or not mandatory flu shots for healthcare workers results in fewer laboratory confirmed cases of influenza, specifically in long-term care facilities. And the answer to that is no, it does not. There is no evidence. But there's plenty of evidence that usually within two weeks of going into a nursing home and giving uh, all the patients a flu shot, several of them die. That happens over and over again. I can see that. So, wow. anyway, so just as I begin to keep researching and, you know, finding other organizations, I mean, there's a lot of information out there now and, uh, you know, social media has really contributing, contributed to the ability to be able to have a wealth of information and the National Vaccine Information Center is probably the oldest organization and most complete as far as information to find out what the laws are at the state level, each and every state. And people, because they're different from state to state. Some, many people think, well, the CDC says we have to do this. The CDC makes recommendations and that's it. The mandates come at the state level. So that, that's why it's very important for people to become involved and know what kind of legislation is out there at the state level. The state of Texas, there were at least 17 bills put forth in the last two years to try to do away with those three exemptions that we have. Fortunately, they were knocked down and they were defeated, but it's, the battle is real. So 
Well, and we were talking about, you know, my wife and I, we just got back from L.A., and we were talking about what's going on out there. Uh, I was telling you about the homeless situation is just yes. it's crazy. Downtown L.A. is tent city. The businesses are going out of business because you can't even get into the businesses. My wife's like, uh, turn around and let's get out of here. You know, yeah. it was it was the worst I've ever seen. And, you know, when I met my wife, she was from San Francisco and I thought it was bad. This this didn't even touch, you know, uh, or San Francisco didn't even touch this. But tell us a little bit about what happened out in California, because we don't want to see that happen in other states. And that's why people need to inform themselves and help do something. Yes, exactly. In uh, 2015, uh, California passed, and this was uh, authored by Dr. Richard Pan, and he is a senator, a state senator out there, but he authored this bill and got this bill passed through, Senate Bill 277, and you can look that up, but what that does is completely strip you of choice, parental choice, to choose what to vaccinate their children with. No choice. You cannot attend public school without being fully vaccinated according to this bill that was passed in 2015. And they only offer a medical exemption, which is very difficult to obtain because you have to have basically had an anaphylactic reaction. You know, not the fact that now you're chronically ill, but no, you have to have had an anaphylactic reaction to get a... Um, an exem a medical exemption, which is very difficult to do. So this, but this is what they're trying to do here in Texas too. Fortunately, we do have several representatives and senators that are on board. But Texans for Vaccine Choice has uh, just grown exponentially in the past three years, and started by two moms. Uh, one has vaccine injured child, and she started this because of the fact that she felt like her parental obligations and rights as a parent were trying to be undermined when she got letters from the school saying, oh, well, your child has to have the flu shot this year. They can't come to school. So, um, you know, that's that was kind of the beginnings of that. And uh, they have now become a political action committee. And um, they are heavily involved at the state level and recognized now in Austin. So, uh, and the whole premise is promoting um, preservation of personal liberties and informed consent by opposing measures to limit vaccine choice rights or discriminate against those who exercise those rights. That's the whole premise for Texans for Vaccine Choice. And uh, basically it was started in 2015 and... Um, the community was awakened by a media report that a member of the Texas House of Representatives was planning to file a bill to end religious and philosophical exemptions to recommended public school vaccines. So parents immediately took to social media and began formulating strategies, basically, to kill the legislation in its tracks and preserve our rights. And soon after, um, it started as a private Facebook group called Texans for Vaccine Choice. It was formed and quickly grew to over 1,300 members from across the state. So uh, they're very involved and very much on the cusp of what's going on politically in Austin. And if we want to keep our rights in Texas for vaccine choice, then we need to get involved at the state level and make sure we know what's coming down the pipe. 
But what would you tell people listening if they want to get involved or if they can't get involved and they can support the organization, you know, is that the way to do it? Absolutely. I mean, they are totally dedicated to protecting vaccine choice rights. And um, they have, there's a lot of, you know, elected officials in Texas that are on board with this. Uh, It's a 501c4 organization. It's basically focused on advocacy and education and takes the form of fighting against patient discrimination and holding public and private entities accountable for accurately representing vaccine laws and exemption rights. So, uh, you know, that's their focus. And you can definitely, they have a web, you know, they have a website and you can donate there. You can get involved in your towns. Uh, you know, I have, as a matter of fact, I met Senator Ted Cruz a couple weeks ago when he was in Tyler, and I took some of my Texans for Vaccine Choice um, handouts and, and gave them out to a couple of people. And he's familiar with the organization, so is Matt Schaefer, and they're, they're very much on board to keep our rights from being uh, taken away from us. And I actually wrote a letter last night to Ted Cruz uh, because I, I, you know, I'm a little troubled because, um, you know, two weeks, last week we, it took two weeks to put get Mark Zuckerberg before Congress because, you know, privacy rights were being violated, which, yes, I'm for privacy for sure, but they have been trying for four years to get Congress to subpoena Dr. William Thompson, who is a a senior scientist at the CDC who admitted four years ago in 2014 that he, along with several other senior scientists at the CDC, manipulated data specifically on the related to the MMR vaccine, manipulated the data to show what they wanted it to show, and he admitted that. And he was even granted whistleblower status by Barack Obama. So we, they have been fighting for four years to have him testify before Congress. And, you know, so that's my concern. It's like, okay, if our privacy is violated, get them before Congress in a week. But what about the lives of children who could be damaged and neurologically impaired for the rest of their life? So uh, that's, you know, that's a big concern of mine. We and not just pro- the children. Right. I mean, I mean, we're, yeah, not know, we're just talking children, about, but adults. Yeah, too. this is dementia and Alzheimer's and all that. And and how much of this is caused by the vaccine? Uh, you know, I mean, it, well, yes, because we want to. Pre- shot still has thimerosal in it, which thimerosal is uh, methylmercury, and it is a known neurotoxin. So uh, it still contains that. That's just crazy. Oh, you know, that could definitely contribute. So, but, wow. You know, we went from, you know, if you talk about, yes, adults are being damaged, but, you know, children. And we, in the 70s and 80s, it was 1 in 15,000 children were diagnosed with autism. Today, and this last year, according to the CDC, it's 1 in 36 children are on the spectrum and 1 in 22 boys. That's alarming to me. If that's not an epidemic, I don't know what is. And if we continue on the trajectory that we're currently on, by 2035 or 2040, it will be one out of two children will be damaged in some way. I mean, right now, one in six children in our country is developmentally delayed. That's an alarming statistic. So we will have no one qualified for a standing army if we continue like we are now by damaging our children, injecting them 
at birth, within hours of birth, with a vaccine that's for a sexually transmitted disease that even the CDC doesn't say a newborn baby is in the category of the people at risk. So we are activating an immune system that was not intended to be activated because you receive passive immunity from your, the mother for at least 12 months of life. So, you know, we're activating something. The Bible says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. And so we're assuming that every child at birth needs help. They don't. We, we are, we are um, we're harming our immune systems. You know, in another generation, there will be no one who has a working immune system because our immune systems were de- designed to get stronger as we're exposed to the pathogens naturally, not by injection. So, and there's a big difference. People say, well, you know, you drink out of aluminum cans, there's actual aluminum is in your system anyway, but there's a big difference in injecting and ingesting. You know, when you ingest, that's true. It goes through the digestive process. When you inject something into the muscles and your bloodstream, it's a big difference. Big difference. Well, you know, the, so many people stood up and fought against uh, smoking, and there's all these anti-smoking campaigns. Uh, and, but they don't realize the these shots are 30 times worse than smoking. And, and all well, the same side effects. And, I mean, I even read something the other day that, that uh, they were having problems with impotency because of, I don't know if it was the flu shot. It, w- it was one of the shots they named. But anyway, you're going, hey, hello, something is, is not right. Right. And the interesting thing is, is you can have a, a child be sick and get prescribed penicillin, for instance, and they have a bad reaction to that penicillin. What does the doctor say? They're allergic to penicillin. Don't give it to them anymore. They get a vaccine or seven or eight vaccines at one time, and they have a terrible reaction, and they're told it's a coincidence. You know, yeah. (laughs) well, I was just going to say, when you said that about seven or eight at one time, all I could think of was going through basic training, and they would stand on both sides with this, like, air gun thing, and it would blow all these vaccines into the side of your arms at one time. And if you if you flinched or moved any at all, it just would just rip your skin. That's terrible. Well, and also, for people that are interested in documentaries, I'm very much interested in documentaries, especially since you brought up the whole military thing. There is a documentary called Direct Order, and it specifically relates to the anthrax vaccine. But I recommend that to anybody who wonders about that whole debacle. But uh, it's, it's, it's an older documentary, but it's, uh, it's very heartbreaking. But it's, it's about 45 minutes long, but it's called Direct Order. And you can find that on YouTube as well. Well, what does it say about the anthrax? Uh... Well, it was just basically saying how the military had no choice. And, you know, all these you know, um, military personnel who were being diagnosed with Gulf War Syndrome, some of them never left stateside. So how do you get Gulf War Syndrome if you were never there? Yeah, I I can see that. Right. Reactions to the vaccine, there were plenty of reactions. It's a very, very interesting documentary, and I highly recommend it. You know, one of them, one of the women was a a commander. She had 50 people under her. She was a pilot, 
and she had 50 people that were under her and she became completely debilitated after that vaccine. So, uh, you know, you know, we are not, you know, vaccines, they're all, they're one size fits all, but neurological systems are not, especially in children, but not in anybody, you know, we all react differently and respond differently to every medication. You know? Now, uh, you know, on some of these, I mean, you know, there was a time where there were vaccines that were really needed and stuff, but at at the time they were giving them just the dose they needed, not like, you know, five times or ten times as much as they should be getting just to make sure that it worked. Well, if you actually research back into the history of vaccines, and there's a, a Dr. Suzanne Humphreys wrote a book called Dissolving Illusions, Vaccines, Disease, and the Forgotten History. It's an amazing book. And she just totally researched the whole history of vaccines. And actually, you know, what vaccines did we really need? You know, they say, well, we've eradicated this and we've eradicated, you know, what about polio? Well, actually, there were 30,000 cases of polio basically vanished overnight. Well, how is that? Well, they changed the name. They, uh, polio became five different diseases. And, uh, and if you research even that, no, we really haven't eradicated polio. There are um, people experiencing, and, and polio is a virus, and a lot, most people clear that polio virus without any issues, and they may have just cold-like symptoms. But just like anything else, you know, you know if you look in the history of things and the, when they do these big polio campaigns like in India and different countries like that, and then they have this outbreak of polio after they vaccinated everybody for it, it's, Yes, it's vaccine-related polio. So, you know, there's just, I mean, you can really go down a lot of rabbit trails here, but, you know, every single one of them can really be disputed. So, um, but that's an excellent book. Dr. Suzanne Humphreys was, uh, is a internal medicine doctor and a board-certified nephrologist, and she she left allopathic medicine about seven or eight years ago because she began questioning, you know, she was being called to consult consult on these patients that came into the hospital, and uh, they didn't come into the hospital for kidney issues, but now all of a sudden they were in acute renal failure. And she's like, well, what is the common denominator in these patients that they're now in acute renal failure? And she found out that on admission they were all being given a, a pneumonia vaccine and a flu vaccine on admission to the hospital. Every single package insert says, do not give when sick. Well, last I checked, people usually go into the hospital because they're sick and they're immune compromised. So she started, that's when she started researching. And, you know, she just said, no, I don't want my patients, I don't want patients to have this. And she, you know, she butted heads basically. And she has a phenomenal testimony. She just came to the Lord about five years ago, and she has another book called Rising from the Dead, and it's it's an, a fabulous book. But uh, she has a wealth of information. She does a lot of little, you know, 15 to 30-minute teachings. Uh, she's She's brilliant, and she spends six to seven days a week, eight to 12 hours a day researching, and she's a physician. So um, she's an well, amazing. Well, if I get her on the if I get her on the show, will you interview her with me? Absolutely. Okay. Dr. Suzanne, wow, so, she's amazing. I'm hoping to meet her someday. 
Well, you sure have given us a ton of information. Um, is there anywhere else you want to go with this, or you think this is a little too much to do in one show? Well, I mean, you know, I've touched on several things. I mean, this is something that can be talked about for hours. And uh, but yeah, this is just to give people to just just to get people to thinking about it. I tell you know, I teach nursing students, and I tell them, you know, I said I'm not anti anything. The only thing I'm against is a lack of informed consent, because most people that say they get a vaccine and their child has a terrible reaction or they begin having seizures, that's also listed as it could be a side effect. Um, Encephalitis, you know, inflammation of the brain, you know, the high-pitched screaming, oh, well, that's, you know, that's kind of natural. It's not normal. Seizure activity is never normal. And we need true informed consent. And we are really getting away from actual informed consent. People just say, okay, just sign this. No, we need to teach the patients do that so that they can make their decision because informed consent is the foundation of medicine uh, so that we will not be experimented on. And so they need to know, do the benefits outweigh the risks them so that they can make a true informed decision and that's I'm a big proponent of that and uh, teaching my students you know if you work in the ER and a patient of a parent comes in and they're saying their child is having a seizure they've never had a seizure before and they tell you they got four or five vaccines a day or two ago don't tell them it's not the vaccines because number one you don't know that and it could be so uh, and I also tell them, you know, that parent is really the only expert on their child. So, um, you know, and most people have never heard of the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System. And that is something that is a federal law that nurses and doctors are supposed to inform people about it. Yes, it's on the vaccine information sheet, but people don't read that. And they don't know that, okay, if they're perfectly safe, then why has almost $4 billion been paid out in compensation for vaccine injury over the past 25 years? You know, if they're perfectly safe, and it's very difficult to get any compensation because they also say that less than 10% of adverse reactions are ever reported. So if less than 10% of adverse reactions are ever reported, and basically only 1% to 2% of that 10% get compensated, but they've paid out over $4 billion, almost $4 billion, that's a lot of injury. And people say, well, who, where does that money come from? Do you know where that money comes from, Todd? Taxpayers. Taxpayers, absolutely, because every vaccine has a 75-cent tax on it, and that goes right into a fund because Ronald Reagan reluctantly signed into law in 1986 the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, and that act exonerated the pharmaceutical industry of any liability for their product, specifically vaccines. And the reason they did that is because the companies were saying they were going to stop making vaccines because there was so much tort litigation going on for injury, children being injured. So they they said, well, we can't do away with vaccines. We have to have vaccines. So they enacted that law, the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act of 1986, and that was in the Homeland Security Bill, one of those things that got added on. Well, you know... They need to repeal that. The the number one thing they say when you mention a uh, vaccine in the ER is that, uh, oh, well, it can't be the vaccine. It's got to be something else. 
But, but that's another that. reason why they never get reported because they, you know, they say that. So, right. and, and of course the parents are going to go, oh, okay, well, you know, the doctor knows best. But the so. doctors get very little training on vaccines. Dr. Suzanne Humphreys touches on that specifically in several of her books. She, and she's, you know, she's been a physician for years, long time, decades. And she said they get very little teaching on vaccines. They're basically taught, give every vaccine on time, every time. Wow. Very little teaching. And they don't read package inserts. I mean, I even had a physician one time when I asked him about a new medication that came out. And he said, well, how do you know about that? I said, well, you know, I get this stuff and I read it. Well, why do you read all that stuff? Well, it, you know, I, I do have cardiology patients. This is a new cardiology drug, and I think it's important that I know about it. He's like, oh, well, doctors, they don't. They don't read about it. Now, some doctors, they're waking up. They really are. So, but it's difficult because, you know, then they're labeled quacks. And, uh, you know, so for them to speak out, they don't want to lose their livelihood. It's very, very sad. But, um well- well, I have quite a few that listen to the show, so hopefully they'll they'll be listening. Great. That's awesome. All right. Well, I I think we ought to stop it there, but uh okay. you know, we we will definitely have to continue on because I, what I've seen is if you put too much on the plate at one time, they just sit there with a confused look like the uh right. you know, the, the new calf at the gate going, uh, what do I do? Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we basically just touched the surface. So. Yeah, so but people definitely need to you make themselves aware because what does he say? My people, my people perish because of lack of knowledge and lack of knowledge and knowledge equals responsibility. And um, you know, I I'm very passionate about this subject. I try to be careful not to overwhelm people with it, but. You know, if somebody asks me, I'm certainly going to tell them, you know, and point yeah. them in the right direction to get information. I get people asking me all the time, and I point them in the right direction. Educate yourself. Don't just expect somebody to pour the information into you. Educate yourself. The information is out there. National Childhood, uh, uh, NationalVaccineInformationCenter.org. National Vaccine That's got okay. you know, tons of stuff. NVIC.org. I get asked by parents all the time about the vaccine for the for the schools, and I didn't know that that there was uh, just a form you had to download. Three exemptions in the state of Texas. Absolutely, we are one of 19 states that still offers three exemptions. Wow. Medical, religious, and philosophical, or reasons of conscience. I don't want it. (laughs) You know. So. Yeah. Right, but the the Healthy People 2020 initiative has an adult vaccine scheduled, too, so it's coming. They well, think we I'm need sh- the vaccines children are currently getting. I'm sure glad you came on today, Cindy. Thank you. And uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to be continuing this on another episode. But uh, Okay, great. I, I just want to say thank you, and I'll say that's a wrap for now. Okay. Thanks.